0: Hello. Welcome back to How to Rewrite Your Stars. This is Benjamin Fincher, and today I'm on here with the guest, Julie Clough. Um, Julie, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit?
1: Sure. Thanks, Benjamin. I am the founder of Build a Life After Loss. I'm a speaker, an author, and a grief coach and transformation coach. I help people to rebuild their life after a devastating loss. I've, I use my own experiences and the things that I've learned along the way and the things that I've studied and the training that I have to, to do that work, to help people to you know figure out all the little pieces that are underneath. And grief is not just one big thing. It, we think it's one big thing, but there's actually pieces to it. And when we don't do that work of figuring out the pieces and resolving the pieces, then it's really, really hard to move forward at any point along the way.
0: Right. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And as those of you that have listened to my podcast before have heard, uh, here we kind of focus on things that you can use in your life to help you rewrite your stars or in other words to take life by the reins and make your own path forge your own trail regardless of what other people think especially because we know that we've just got one shot at life and so we may as well do the best that we can with what we've got Um, one thing that I'm going to be doing is Kind of like in the previous episode I mentioned I'm starting up this new season and trying some new things out. What my plan is right now is to have a bunch of different guests join where they share their own story of how they were able to rewrite their stars while at the still side time while at the same time sharing different things that I've been able to do. And just be able to show you that it is possible to do this. Like there are people out there that are actually living the life they want to. And I'm bringing them on to be able to share how they've done that. Not just the fact that they have, but actually dive into it, have a conversation, ask the questions, say, Hey, this is really cool. Especially with Julie today. It's like grief. There's plenty of people, especially this year of 2020. That's something that if you haven't realized is definitely prominent, even if it's just the simple fact that your life isn't what you thought it was going to be and grieving over the plans that you thought you were going to have. So let's go ahead and just dive in. And Julie, would you mind sharing your story with us? And I'll have a conversation with you as you're doing that and sure, we'll come to the how you did it.
1: Yeah. So as you were, as you were explaining your purpose and, and what you're doing here, you know, it's, it's reminding me that I've rebuilt my life several times. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of happened over and over again. And, and maybe those of you that are listening can appreciate that. I, I in college, I got, I got sick. I didn't know what was wrong, but all I knew was that I was losing my ability to focus and where I had been a <clears throat> excuse me, where I had been a straight A student previously, all of a sudden, you know, every semester my grades were dropping and I eventually failed out of college before they could figure out what was wrong. Wow. When I went, I was living away from home during that time. And when I went back home, kind of, you know, in this place of of discouragement and failure. And I went back home and through some through some uh, meetings with my doctor and some different things, realized that I had a pretty severe case of Graves' disease, which affects your thyroid. What that did was it created, I had a tumor that was three times the size. It was supposed to be that flooded my body with so much of this adrenaline ho- hormone um you know, whatever that is, all that stuff that because the thyroid maintains your metabolism, and that was what was causing my inability to focus, my inability to to do a lot of things. Um, my hand shook so bad at the time that I couldn't pour my own glass of of milk because my hand was shaking when I would try to try to pour milk. It wow. it just was like a really really. And, and because I was ill, I didn't even fully appreciated, appreciate at the time how far off my health had gotten, what was going on. But it's an autoimmune issue. And um, I had surgery and went back to school and went back to like a junior college to get back into the university that I was at. And it took, um, and I went, you know, the first semester back. I got straight A's again, you know. So it's amazing how our physical affects our emotional and our and our mental capacity. And but at that point, you know, I'd lost two or three years in my journey of getting an education, and I got married, and I just just changed everything. And I and I kind of left that experience feeling a little bit inadequate because I didn't pursue the things that I had wanted to pursue, or I wasn't able to accomplish what it was I had wanted to accomplish. And, you know, I went back to school over time and so forth, but it really did leave, like, a, a mark, you know, just that failure experience left a mark. Then a few years later, my husband and I divorced. Um, it was a, he just, He would, he just decided on a totally different route in life. (laughs) A few years after we got married, it just was, became very, very evident that he was choosing to go a different direction. Wow. And um, yeah, so that, when that marriage ended, I am so grateful because I felt so, so supported, so led through that whole experience. I had three children by this time, single mom, working, trying to provide for my family, trying to provide for them in every way, right? You know, trying to be there as a mom, but also trying to work and and do all those things. And, And it was a very difficult time, but I'm grateful for the bit of courage. You know, every bit of courage that I showed during that time, every bit of opportunity that I had to continue to grow and learn I'm grateful that I I took that that I that I realized that the divorce wasn't all about me I think that was a big piece for me to realize was a lot of times when people go through divorce they feel like they're the failure and certainly there was a lot of that and trying to work through that feeling of, again a failure right. um, and but at the same time i could see that he had made choices and that that they didn't they didn't totally have it to do with me it was just choices that he was making that took him on a different path that i didn't want to go down and that i wasn't that i i didn't agree with that i didn't want to be a part of and um and include i mean there were so many things it's it's a Friday night movie of the week <laughs> story that <laughs> I, won't, I won't share all of that, but it was, um, it was a really interesting time. He, he left the country uh, about the same time that our divorce was final and moved to wow. Uzbekistan. Uh, I remember my daughter we, was in
0: Uzbekistan.
1: Uzbekistan.
0: Ubekistan. Yeah. Where, where's that? I've heard of Uzbekistan, but it it
1: Ubekistan? was part of the it was part of the Russian Union when it was all one piece and then when it broke apart, that was one of the countries that came out of the oh, um, wow. USSR. So yeah, so he moved out of the country. So I didn't have, you know, it wasn't like I was sharing parenting and, and things like that. Yeah, so it was quite interesting. In fact, my daughter my daughter went to kindergarten and told her teacher these wild stories and said her dad had moved to Ubekistan and all this stuff and (laughs) and her teacher contacted me and she says, I don't, you know, I don't know where she's getting all these stories. And I'm like, well they're true. (laughs) And that's where she's getting all the (laughs) stories.
0: Wow. Sure that teacher was just like, say again. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That was my, my that was my oldest. Uh, she did have a wild imagination so I could see why the teacher was confused.
0: <laughs> right. It's like, but wait, it, what? what's the imagination? What's the <laughs> what's true the story truth, <laughs> Exactly.
1: Exactly. But you know, I, I just had so many experiences where I knew, that I was being led and that I was being protected and that I was being supported all along the way, including the job that I had at the time was just a, it fell in my lap, literally, you know, about the time that things weren't going well in my marriage and, and he'd had a business that had failed and there was just a lot going on. So there was financial issues and so forth. So, mm-hmm. I had ta- I, a friend reached out to me and said, You've got experience in insurance, and we've got an insurance issue at our company. Will you come and help? And oh, wow. so I took this job, as I mean, and basically all I was doing was data entry. That's what I was doing when I started there. And within like three months, I was. I was leading, I was helping the company and, and they wanted me to travel somewhere and you know, it was just, it was a crazy, crazy experience. It was like, I could see how that, that opportunity was just kind of placed in my lap. And because I said yes, and I showed up and I, and I was, was willing to You know, show up in a way that showed my value, and that I was able to continue to progress in that position, and it became a career for a couple of years, for two or three years. And actually, when I left there, my title during part of that time was continuous improvement specialist. Oh, wow, that's awesome. I'm like, I think that's the kind of the story of my life. (laughs)
0: <laughs> hopefully it ends up being the story of all our lives right but that's, really that's awesome, right. But it, you yeah feel like it's been yours
1: yeah and i share all this because no matter what circumstances you find yourself in right here right this moment life can get better life can be wonderful life can be incredible You know, unfortunately, a couple of years before my divorce, my brother died by suicide, and which is another thing that fuels me to share a message of hope that just because things are really hard and just because we've experienced hard things, we can, you know, with support and with with effort. I I, you know, we we have this misconception that time heals all wounds, but that's not accurate. It's time and effort and support. It's the combination. And really the effort is the big piece. It's like, are you gonna go out there Are you gonna find the answers? Are you gonna be willing to get the support you need? Are you gonna be willing to seek for the answers that are there, but you don't see yet? And that's, I think that's the big, big piece. I did remarry and we had three more children. And we raised our six kids together, and then on Mother's Day in two thousand seven, I was driving with my three youngest, <clears throat> um, uh, driving from our home in Houston, Texas, to my in-laws' house, and um, in North it, Carolina. North
0: Carolina, okay.
1: Mhm. Yeah. So, and where, so is
0: that like a thousand mile journey or so?
1: It's a. It was. It's about a. 11-hour trip by car. Okay,
0: yeah. So, so maybe more like 7,000. Yeah. Not 1,700. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I made a trip out to Dallas, Texas at the beginning of the summer trying to do a different type of job that didn't go out how I thought it would. And it was like 19 hours and 1200 miles I think so I'm like cross country I've done that before
1: <laughs> yeah we, we did cross country all the time and with six kids it was always just pile in the car right and go right. so this it wasn't unusual for us to do this because we were living in Texas and my family was in Florida my husband's family was part of this family was in Florida. His parents were in North Carolina we had you know all of our family was pretty much east so we were used to doing this you know jump in the car and, and drive that's what we did so i took my three youngest children and we were heading out to my in-laws house it was mother's day and as we drove we were having this great trip like it was going super super well we'd left early in the morning and i was hopeful that we were going to make it to their house before sunset that was my goal was to get there, you know, during the day. Right. And we had stopped for lunch. We had this great lunch. And then my my kids, um, my son James was twelve and he was sitting in this seat next to me in the passenger seat. Carrie was ten and David was eight, and they were in the back seat and they had been getting along really well. They were they had a really close, you know, they have a really close relationship. So they were in the back seat and at one point Carrie was in the middle. And David was on the, the passenger side in the back seat. And she said, you know, I'm going to move over because I think David was finally bugging her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 11 hours sitting next to Sibley, and You mean you could start to get bugged? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. We were like five or six hours into the trip. I guess more than that. By then, we were getting pretty close. But anyway, she says, I'm going to move over. So she... she moved over into the seat behind me and clicked her seatbelt in. And as she moved over, she said, she said, Mom, I love you. Happy Mother's Day. And less than, I don't even, I don't know exactly what the timing was, but it feels like it was moments later. I woke up driving in the medium in the car, of the highway. It was, it was as if the whole car had just gone to sleep suddenly, and I woke up and I'm bouncing along in the grass between the eastbound and the westbound lanes right there near the border of Mississippi and Alabama, wow. and it was, um, as I went to, you know, panicked, because you're, you're waking up, so it's like this kind of sudden shocking experience, and as I went to go pull the, the car back up on the highway, I could feel the wheels lift up off the ground, and we just started to roll. Our our Suburban rolled and rolled and rolled to the other side of the highway. And when we landed, we landed upright, and I couldn't see anything because in the process of rolling, I'd hit my head, I guess, and lost my eyesight. And I knew whatever was going to happen was not good, but I could hear James in the seat next to me crying. So I knew he was alive, but I didn't know how injured he was. As I called for Carrie and David, there was no answer. There was no answer. And um, slowly my eyesight came back. And of course then I'm turning around and looking, but you know, physically, emotionally, in every way, I was just kind of stunned and in yeah. shock and it was, it was you know, like moments later that I noticed people gathering in the, along the highway to my left. And that's when I realized that Carrie and David had been thrown from the car and it felt like they were a million miles away from the car. Oh, wow. And that, you know, and I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, this gentleman came to the door and said, you know, how can I help? And I said, I need a phone. And I called my husband who was still in Houston and I said, we've been in a car accident and I just don't know. I don't know if Carrie and David are gonna make it, you know, start praying now. And it was, uh, it was a while later before I learned that, that Carrie and David died. They were actually loaded into one ambulance and taken to a different hospital and James and I were taken to a, another hospital. Um we were close so close to the state lines that Carrie and David were actually taken to a hospital in Alabama. We were taken to a hospital in Mississippi.
0: Oh wow. This so, was one responded.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they didn't they they didn't make it. And it was just honestly, from the moment from the moment I knew both of them had been thrown from the car, I knew that they were either both going to make it or they were both going to the other side together. There just was no doubt in my mind that, that they were gonna to be together. They had an unusual bond that was pretty special. And um, I was just certain, no. I was certain they were either here together or they were gone. And they were gone. And it was the most horrific next three years I could imagine. But in that process, again I saw the miracles. In fact, you know, I I published a book this year called Miracles of the Darkness, where I share the story of losing my kids and and a little bit about my experience with divorce and a little bit about my experience with losing my brother that's intertwined in that story. But there's a reason it's called miracles in the darkness is because even in our darkest hour, we can see the miracles. I'll just give you an example. When the, the car was rolling, when our when our vehicle was rolling, I, I heard a voice in my head say, bring your arm in. And I remember bringing my arm in and kind of just, you know, holding it in place. And it was two months later, my uncle called me and he says, you won't believe what I just saw. He said, I'm watching TV and I saw a dancer who had lost her arm in a similar accident. Now, I personally met someone three years later who had lost her arm in a rollover accident about the same time that I was in that accident. And um, I'm grateful that God spared me of that additional pain when I was dealing with the loss of my children.
0: Right, it was so much more pain.
1: hmm But there were so many miracles that happened. You know, my son needed emergency surgery on his leg. It was a Sunday. It was Mother's Day. And he... Um, and the doctor that was there, the hospital was actually named after his family and the surgeon that performed the procedure was the surgeon that had developed the procedure that he needed. And one of the attendants in the hospital, one of the nurses or someone, I just remember overhearing them say, I don't know why he's here. Like he, he wouldn't, he shouldn't be here on a holiday. (laughs) I'm like, I know why he's here. <laughs> yeah. So you know his his leg is fine today. He doesn't have any issues with it. He's married with two kids. <laughs> wow. And so, nice. yeah, yeah. So lots of miracles that happen along the way, but at the same time, we you know I still had to work through the grief and the pain of the loss. And your your title, "How to Rewrite Your Stars," really speaks to me because. Today, I see so many messages out in the world that say, if you're a mother who's lost children, you're gonna grieve the rest of your life. And that is what people think. And because they think that's that way, that's what they experience. And fortunately for me, you know, because I'd lost my brother, because I had gone through a divorce, because I'd had these other experiences, and I knew that I got better after those experiences. I knew that I eventually healed in those experiences. And so I was just, there was this hope in me that it was possible to heal from this gut-wrenching experience of losing my kids. Right. And um, and I, I'm super grateful for that hope that lived in my heart because I think that made all the difference because that, that, that gave me the motivation that gave me the inspiration to continue to look, to continue to look for answers, to continue to look for the, there had to be a way to heal. I just was sure of it. But I wasn't sure how that was going to happen and things got worse before they got better.
0: Right. So, So to say it in another way, would you say that those, if you hadn't had that experience with losing your brother suicide and with going through that divorce, do you feel like you would have ended up like that post that you mentioned going around that you would still be grieving for the rest of your life kind of thing?
1: Well, I do think that that's the message out there is that that is what we can expect. And and I I really want to I really want to change the way we look at grief. We need to look at grief as a season. It's a season. And if we continue to have that hope in our heart, that inspired hope in our heart, that healing is available to us, it doesn't change the circumstances. You know, I've, I, I don't grieve every day of my life like people would say that I have to. I don't have to grieve in order to prove my love of my children. I love my children. I lo- I'm grateful. I'm so grateful that I was able to be their mother. If they were only going to be here for eight and 10 years, I'm grateful that I was their mother for those eight and 10 years. It's, it's just this, this idea that we have that we connect the person in a death situation, we connect the person with the grief And so we think that if we have to if we let go of the grief, we're letting go of the person.
0: Where instead the grief is attached to you and the person instead of attached to you and the person attached to the grief.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and really the bridge that we want to strengthen is the bridge of love and gratitude. And we want to recognize that the grief is just the process to get us to healing. And when we can heal, when we can heal that pain of grief, it, it gives us a clear pathway to love and gratitude. It, it, it makes that experience just that much brighter. We, the Grief, ha- grief has a, ch- a tendency to just cloud everything. It right. clouds our thinking. It clouds our feelings. It clouds our experiences. So we we want to we want to heal the grief so that we don't live in a cloud the rest of our life. We don't live in that cloud of pain.
0: Yeah. So going back to something I thought of earlier during part of your story is that there's a lot of ways to look at emotions and that grief is kind of one of those things that happens to us emotionally that because we can't see it, we don't necessarily understand it. Right. But thinking about a physical ailment sometimes, Oh, going back to when you said, um, time heals all wounds. It's like kid falls down on the playground, screams his knee. Yeah. Time is going to heal that wound or, um, like, similar things like little bumps and scrapes and bruises like time's going to heal that but there's some things like my sister right now is going to um, go get surgery because of something that happened to her and she was doing all these things to make sure she wouldn't need surgery and now it's come down to yeah she needs surgery it's not like a super big surgery from what I understand but it's Necessary for the healing to finish to actually get in there and change the way some of the things are so that the body can knit itself back together in the right way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something that happens with especially deep emotional wounds is that just because we don't see it, we don't necessarily understand that. But those really deep wounds are really deep and it does require more than just slapping a band-aid on it like to, to, to say a kind of ridiculous example like if you get stabbed with the knife in the arm you're not just gonna put a band-aid on it and call it good like you need to make sure it stitches up right and I feel like that's kind of the same thing with um, big emotions like grief would you kind of agree with that sentiment
1: Absolutely. And I, I love that you brought that up because I use that analogy a lot. Because physically, just like you said, physically there are certain things that happen and we're just like, oh, you know, we get a little paper cut. It's, you know, it's gonna be a couple of days and it will heal and we won't even notice it after that. And it it will, you know, it's like everything is back to to the way that it was before. But then we have experiences where we break our leg. And we don't just sit there and wait for it to heal. We seek help. We seek, and then we, we follow the instructions so that we can put ourselves in a place of healing. We don't just... We just don't think, we just don't sit there saying, oh, time heals all wounds. If I just sit here long enough, it'll be okay. Right. Or we don't, we don't, when we have a physical injury, we don't say, well, if I just keep busy, eventually this, this will be okay, which is a lot of times what we think emotionally. Well, if I just keep busy and distracted, eventually all this pain will just go away. And
0: kind of uh, like someone that needs to be in a sling to fix something. And they're just like, as long as I keep doing my heavy lifting.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I broke my foot when I was in college, I was running up a um, flight of concrete steps and growing up in Florida, I just didn't wear shoes a lot, <laughs> especially uh-huh. when I was a kid. So it was barefoot. I was running up this, this flight of stairs and I, my foot slammed into one of the concrete steps Oof. and immediately like just sat down. Okay, what am I gonna do next, right? right. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't, I didn't go and run two more flights of stairs thinking it would go away. They, that pain was, and that's, that's kind of like grief, right? It's painful. So that that pain is a signal to get to to seek the help to seek the information to it's, it's meant to be uncomfortable because we're adjusting and adjusting is uncomfortable and making changes are uncomfortable and loss is painful. And, and there's a reason why it's painful. We're not meant to live there. We're not meant to live in pain. We're meant to seek the help and express whatever needs to be expressed and do the work. You know, that's, that's, we want, we don't want to be in pain the rest of our life. And that, you know, that is big part of my message is that we don't need to be in pain the rest of our life. Right. There's no, there's no time frame. There's a lot of little pieces. You know, we will hear things like the first year is the hardest, or even sometimes people will say the second year is the hardest Every stage is, is not easy. Every stage has its new new um, challenges. And if we're not careful, if we don't recognize that we can't just sit in the pain and wait for it to go away, if we don't continue to feed the hope, one of the reasons I do the, my podcast, Build a Life After Loss is because I want to share that hope every single week. You know, I want to share that. We've got to continue to look for inspired, inspired encouragement to continue to move forward. Right. Because it is hard. It is hard and we can't do it alone. And the, the amount of support that we need needs to be greater or equal to our challenge. And going through really difficult things with the same amount of support that we had when we were just, you know, existing in life and life was good is not going to is not going to cut it. The same reason why when I broke my foot, you know, right. my roommates came and carried me to the car and we went off to the to the clinic to get it x-rayed and examined and a cast was put on and and I, you know, those were the things that I needed in that case in order to heal.
0: Right, now I was gonna say that. Going back to that example you said of the broken foot, like grief isn't like a cold coming on from the way I understand it. And I certainly have dealt with a lot less grief in my life than you have, which kind of leaves you to be the expert here, which is great. But just coming at this is like, grief isn't like a cold coming on. It's not, oh, I think I might start feeling some grief now. It's, no, well, bam, like you broke your foot. Now you have grief. Mm -hmm. And and like, talking different experiences here, right? But that same type of happening where it's not, oh, maybe tomorrow I'll like have a huge thing of grief happen. Like, no, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's, you wake up at the steering wheel and mm-hmm.
1: then
0: two minutes later however long it's like oh all of a sudden i have a lot of shock which will turn into grief mm-hmm. and that kind of thing yeah and, and, and I, I love the way you talk about the healing too because um i'm a firm believer that almost if not everything can be healed through the right methods mm-hmm. and especially emotionally, like if you understand how to, it really becomes a lot easier. Yeah. And going into that, um, you might have something else to say before this, but what would you say are your steps of the how to deal with grief to the point to where you can heal?
1: Yeah, no, I love that question. You know, uh, let me, let me just speak to that for just a second because it is our birthright to heal. It is our, it is in our DNA to heal. That's why we feel discomfort is because it's a signal that healing is needed. In the case of grief, you know, in the case of really, really hard things that people go through, divorce, um, um, abuse, loss of career, loss of a person that we love, loss of a person that we didn't love, but we had a close relationship with it. We're trying to figure out how to to navigate this new grief because things should have been different and they weren't. And now that that piece is gone so you know the relationship there they've moved on and so now we have to figure out how to live with the fact that it never got better i mean like, there's just so many it, things that's a big one like it is a big I, one I, I
0: know some people close to me that are dealing with that one right now where it's just like this wasn't all i hoped and dreamed for but what now
1: exactly and you know it's, it's a lot of what i experienced in my divorce was like i just in my marriage i continued to work on it i continued to try to make things you know to try to to influence things to be better and ultimately it was like okay this isn't going to happen so it, it, it we've got to move on but now the hope of improving was gone the hope of it improving was gone because now i'm no longer working on that relationship the relationship is gone so it's it's it it mirrors it. It mirrors a divorce when someone we 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 didn't have a good relationship with that we wished we had a good relationship when they die. It's kind of the same experience where now that you know that person is gone and we have to figure out how to heal from the from the pain of that experience and. Mm-hmm. You know, just like I was talking about before, like we, we end up bridging the people that we love that we've lost to death, for example, we end up bridging that connection with grief and we kind of hold on to the pain to hold on to the person. And, and that's, we've got to start looking at that a little differently in order to let go of the pain. Because if we have to keep being in pain to prove that we love the person, then we don't have any hope of healing. Um,
0: right. It's kind of like the, um, the, those get to know you games that you do at socials where it's like, go find someone that's broken a bone. And it's like, they don't have to still be in the cast for you to mark off and have them sign that line. Right?
1: <laughs> that's a great example. I love that. I've not, I've not heard that one before. That's good. That's really good. Uh, but you know, we do the same thing with, hard things like abuse. We, we hold on to the pain in order to hold on to the fact that that person deserves to suffer for what they did. We, we hold on to the pain to, to prove to ourselves that we were hurt and, right. and we can let go of the pain and still know that what happened wasn't right. And we can let go of the pain and still know that the other person is responsible they're still responsible whether we let go of the pain or not. So there's just different aspects of it. But the, the healing model that, that I work from, um, my healing model, uh, you know, build a life after loss healing model is, is five, it includes five phases. And, and that includes coping, understanding, discovering, resolving, and rebuilding. Now what we typically do as human beings is we are coping. Like coping is just part of what we do. It's like trying to figure out how to survive and we just do things right. in order to survive from day to day. And there's ways that we can cope that are helpful and there's ways that we can cope that aren't helpful and that's you know part of the learning process. But then we don't we totally skip the middle. And we don't go through the resolving process in the middle. And we just go from coping to trying to rebuild. And when we do that.
0: You're missing a few big steps.
1: We're missing the surgery. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's like, okay, broke my foot. Now back to walking.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, like your sister's example, you know, she was, she's trying to, to make it work. And then she realizes I can't. I can't actually go over here to build in the life that I want because this is in my way. And so I've got to do the surgery. And that that's kind of what that middle piece is, is it's kind of the surgery that sets us up for healing. And and the miracle that I see when I'm working with people is that, you know, as soon as we go through that, for lack of a better word, surgical process, <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, once we go through that resolving process, they're ready and eager to rebuild they're not like trying to force themselves to do it they're like looking forward to it it's a totally different feel it just is like it's it's an opening it's a it's a rebirth of of sorts and and what people are doing is they're missing that middle piece they think there's something wrong with them there's nothing wrong with them they're just missing some pieces that's all they just don't They don't have the understanding of it. And so they go right. over here and try to rebuild and they're carrying all that heavy weight with them and that heavy weight just eventually pulls them back into coping. And people sometimes people will do that over and over and over again and eventually they'll come back to coping. Some people never get out of coping. Some people try rebuilding once and then they come back to coping and go, I guess this is all it is. I was working with one client and I remember her saying to me, She said, I thought that when she got to a certain age, people were just walking around with a lot of pain and there was nothing you could do about it. Wow. And she was learning a different way. She was learning a new experience and it was opening her eyes to the fact that, yeah, there's a lot of pain in life. There is, but we can also have a lot of joy and a lot of purpose and a lot of happiness, and a lot of rewarding experiences, even though we've gone through tough, tough, hard, hard things.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of uh, something out of a book I read that said similar to that men are meant to have joy. Like, it, it, it's not just a matter of exist, have pain, and die. It's men are meant to have joy.
1: Yeah. You know, I, my da- my father recently passed away and he lived a painful life. He had had so many experiences by the time I was born, and even after I was born, that it was extremely hard for him to find happiness because he didn't have any idea what to do with all that pain. And I realized recently that a lot of the reason I do what I do it's because I don't want people to live in the pain that my father lived with that influenced every decision he made. And, and because of that, he made poor decision after poor decision after poor decision.
0: And it wasn't necessarily like he wanted to either, I'm mm-hmm. sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just the, all the hurt inside made it difficult for him to, to be who he truly was. A very, very gifted man who was basically broken by life's experiences.
0: Yeah. To, to take that one to an extreme example, it reminds me of um, some movies and stories. No particular one's coming to mind right now, but just how sometimes the main antagonist is just a good person that got too hurt and now is out to hurt other people. So to know that healing is available really opens the door for people, like obviously in books and movies a lot of the time they're fictional characters, but us with real lives to, to know that that is an option and that you don't have to get to the point where you're so bitter at life that you just want to hurt other people, that, that's, yeah. that's important.
1: We often hear, hurt people, hurt people, right?
0: I was just thinking that. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, I, I homeschooled my kids for a number of years. And I, one of the things we loved to do, I loved reading to them, even as they were old enough to read. Like we would read, a lot of our history was done just by reading the stories of history. The, the one thing, and I remember my kids would make fun of me because I would get so emotional reading these stories because they were inevitably stories of people overcoming and you think of an Abraham Lincoln and the the pain of his life losing his mother when he was young having um having this experience with with his wife who was ill you know just all the the all the losses that he experienced just trying to gain office just trying to gain office and failing over and over and over again and those stories always touched my heart. And I I think of all the good people, all the good people in history, the people that we admire in history are those that have gone, who were willing to go through the hard stuff and figure it out and show up. And that's yeah. what we all get to do. We all get to be a hero.
0: Mm-hmm. We all have that indomitable human spirit within us. And... Something that I've seen in myself and in others is that even when it gets to the point to where the body is too hard to continue, the spirit still wants to go. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that definitely touches on the grief bit that sometimes either our emotional or our physical body will be so overwhelmed that it just kind of puts the spirit in the back seat and it's like look we're driving now thanks bye <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's a rough go until you can actually do that healing
1: mm-hmm. and
0: get to the point to where yeah the spirit can drive again mm-hmm. and i feel like that's one of the biggest things that i focus on here in how to rewrite your stars or at least that i'm wanting to focus on more is that the the spirit within us really is the driving force that just because there's a social or an emotional or a physical or an intellectual reason not to doesn't mean that we shouldn't. It doesn't necessarily mean we should either, but if our spirit wants to do it, a lot of the time, most of the time I'd say, it's something that we should try doing.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree.
0: And I don't know if you have anything else to share Um, right now. I feel like this would be a good transition point if you don't have anything else to share.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, just the big things are continue to, to hope for healing. And, And, and when I say hope, I mean, not just like I'm trying, but hope with that, that, um hope with that conviction that it is there and you're just working towards it to continue. Yeah, and and to it's possible. Yes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's it's possible for you specifically, it's possible. So expressing, expressing our sorrow, expressing our pain helps us to keep it moving and getting the support we need is again, looking to those people that can help us. And that's why I do what I do is because of my experiences. I saw how many years it took me to really rebuild. I mean, we're talking 10 years to really rebuild. And, and I was looking for answers all along the way. And now I've looked at this and I've seen how I kind of piecemealed. Okay, I found this piece and then I found this piece and then I found this piece. The three-year mark was a big piece for me, but it was like 10 years after the accident when I really figured out like the rebuilding piece. So it was like, yeah, I got help and healing here, but then I needed to rebuild here. Anyway, that's why I do what I do is because I, I want to, I want to empower and help people to shorten that process. It doesn't have to be 10 years. It doesn't have to be 15 years. It doesn't have to be 30 years. I mean, people will sit in pain for 30 years, not knowing where to search.
0: Well, and it doesn't have to be until the end of your life either. Right? Right.
1: Exactly.
0: And we always hear the not to compare, but in this case, I feel like just a tiny comparison is adequate that like you maybe it's not even comparing, maybe it's just you going first and being a role model and just saying, look, like, even though it took me 10 years, it's possible. And now that you've figured out the process, you're telling people, look, you can do this quicker Mm -hmm. and and not to like rush them through it. I'm sure.
1: No, and it's not about that, but it's like, it, you know, kind of going back to your example of surgery, if we put off the surgery And we put it off 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 and we put it off. off, We're putting off our healing. And so it's just, it's, it's getting those pieces into place sooner so that the healing can happen.
0: Right. Getting people primed with the knowledge that, Hey, you've got an emotional surgery coming up. Get ready for it. Mm -hmm. Take the time you need, but get ready for it and know that it's your next step after you've got that understanding. Like, cope first right and then get to that understanding and then get ready for the surgery of resolving is what i'm hearing from you
1: yeah 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 all of it's a piece you know the coping the understanding the discovery the you know the the resolving and then the rebuilding they're all it's all part of the process and i help people all along the way i work with people that have you know, that had a, a, a loss 10 years ago and they're trying to, they're still trying to figure it out. Great, I work with them. I work with people that it's been, you know, it's been six months, they've had a devastating loss or even two months or even three months. So from the early process to the later process, that's, you know, I'm, I take people right where they are. There's absolutely no judgment. I mean, absolutely none. I, I, I remember too well how hard it is. Right. And so no judgment. Just take people where they are and move them forward.
0: Yeah, that, that's incredible. Um, so right now, I kind of want to transition to a little bit of talking about something that I've done to rewrite my stars. And I wish it lined up a little bit better with your story, but um, kind of the way I'm seeing it right now is I'm just going from square one of where I started with doing a vision board until where I'm at today and sharing different pieces along the way. Um, And going back to that indomitable human spirit piece, Um, I've always known that I wanted to do more, be more than what I saw most people doing, not to be better, but just because I knew that I could. Right. And um, well, one thing I learned back in 2015 is about vision boards. And I've talked about it on the podcast before that piece, particularly in season one going, describing all the different details about how vision board works. And then the last episode going over that first vision board success that I took off my vision board and completed. And Julie, I think that you're familiar with vision boards as well. Is that right?
1: I am. Yes.
0: No, <laughs> Knowing how I know Julie, I know she knows about vision boards. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess real quick, is there anything that you want to mention about vision boards that you've experienced?
1: Sure. Okay years ago, when I was probably your age, a friend of mine, We were, I was at a friend's house and her mom had this notebook. And she said, this is my vision notebook. And she says, everything I put in here happens. And she was just flipping through and showing all these different things. And that was kind of my first um, introduction to the idea. I've always been a kind of a self-help junkie like from the time uh, I was a kid, you know, that was kind of the reading that I liked and so forth. I've always been interested in, you know, how our psyche works and everything. But I just remember her, you know, introducing that to me and it wasn't until three years ago that I actually did it. And I'm old enough to be your mother. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right.
1: So I would say, <laughs> don't wait that long. <laughs>
0: It's <laughs> <That's> good advice. <laughs> well, well and I, and I feel like a good way to tie, you know, your story in with vision boards is that, what do you feel like the journey of the, the five different phases of grief that you mentioned, do you feel like that could definitely be used on a vision board?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Just, is anything that you, you can, you can think and, and say, this is what I want one of the things I find that's helpful is to look at pain points. What are your current pain points? And then, and then look at what do I want it to look like? And the answer to what I, what is it that I want it to look like is, is your goal. That's your goal. You know, this is what I want it to look like. A lot of times we have pain points and we want to get out of those pain points, but we don't actually take the time to imagine how we're going to know when we've gotten past it, you know, what, what is it going to look like?
0: Right. Well, going back to physical examples of pain reminds me of like, okay, you get a paper cut and it's like, man, that stings. And like pouring lemon juice on that, it just, Ooh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, even just like having the paper cut and you're just like, wait, I want this to not be hurting, but like, I don't even remember what it feels like from five seconds ago, Mm -hmm. right? And so we have to consciously take that effort to say, wait, what was it like 10 minutes ago, five seconds ago, five minutes ago, yesterday? And that same kind of thing with grief, right? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Where it might've just been normal life to have a fully functioning finger without a paper cut or fully functioning life without that grief bit. And I'm not trying to say paper cut is substantial enough to compare, just giving examples?
1: Well, one, one of the things I think I hear a lot is people want more confidence. And a few years ago, I have a, f- a friend who's, um, who's a speaker and, and I heard her speaking about this and she said, you want more confidence, what is it going to look like? What is it going to look like when you have more confidence? And that gets you thinking about how am I gonna show up? Am I, you know, if I have more confidence, I'm going to teach that class that I've always wanted to teach. Or if I have more confidence, I'm gonna show up in my kid's class and offer to lead a craft. If I have more confidence. It's like, it's, it's figuring out those, those pieces, like what's it going to look like? Right. How are you going to show up? What are you going to be doing if this comes to pass? If you have more confidence, what are you going to be doing? And when you start thinking in those terms, then you can see what it is your goal is. Right.
0: And talking to people more my age, a couple examples is have the confidence to ask that girl out. Mm -hmm. Even uh, I'm more traditional in that the guy should ask the girl, but also we live in the 21st century. So have the confidence to ask the guy out Yep. and i know for me with my wife like her showing interest in me like i asked her out but her showing interest in me really did turn me on to the fact that hey like this person actually cares enough to get to know me instead of just being like all the rest of the girls that i have to chase them which if you know, much about dating
1: doesn't usually work. <laughs> I did it a couple times. Remember I divorced and remarried. So, <laughs>
0: right. So you, you know that one.
1: <laughs> Been in the dating scene a bit over the years, but yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough one. So it's, it is looking at, like, I think people are afraid to dream and it's just all about taking the fear out of dreaming away and just do the dreaming, just have right. fun with it. Like really like have fun with it.
0: Yeah. And to go along with that piece more, like I said, it was 2015. I was introduced to vision boards. Um, I started really small with the things I put on there. Like commonly when you hear about vision boards, it's, Oh yeah. Put your dream house on there put your dream car on there and put your vacation to Hawaii or Bermuda or Fiji on there. But put your great big family, put your, in like all these huge things, like put, on there, put the ideal career and all these huge things that like if I'd started with that, no way I'd have gotten hardly anything off. Like I might have one thing off my vision board at this point.
1: Well, and I would encourage you to put a little bit of all of it on there. Let me tell you my story about my very first vision board. I, on my very first vision board, I was um, I had all these different things on there, but there, as I was looking at one of the things my husband and I were wanting to do was a, was a cruise to Alaska. And it was something that was, you know, fairly, was likely to happen. It actually would have happened this year had COVID not happened. <laughs> we had a trip planned, but that's another story. Right. And anyway, as I was doing that, I, I put, I, as I was searching for a picture, I came across this like Mediterranean cruise, and I thought, that sounds fun. I'm gonna put that on my vision board. And I, when I put it on my vision board, I thought, that's a few years off. Like, that's not gonna happen overnight, that's not. Do you know it was one of the first things I took off? Really? Two months later, I, I won a prize at a convention I was at. It was wow. a $3,000 travel prize. When I first got it, they said, what are you going to do with it? And I said, well, go visit my mom. And I don't, you know, I'm not sure yet. She lives in Nashville. It's like not a big trip, right? (laughs) And then all of a sudden it dawned on me, I have a Mediterranean cruise on my vision board. And this is just enough to get me there. Like, you know, it was, I mean, (laughs) it didn't cover the whole thing, but it made enough of a difference that we could do it.
0: Right. It was like a thousand dollar ship versus four thousand dollar ship but yeah per, per and, se
1: and we took that trip in april of 2018
0: wow that's awesome
1: yeah so don't be afraid to put the good things on there too I, you know i um but don't get discouraged if they don't happen right away
0: <laughs> it, yeah and that's one of the things that i'm wanting to share here if you listen to my last episode the first vision board success i got off was have five in-depth chats with different people and <clears throat> that's not big for some people. It's kind of big, but like for me, it was just like, let's just test this out. Like see, see if it's got something to it. And one of the other things I put on there, and this was the second vision board success I got off. And I can show Julie the picture here. Cause we're on a video call is to finish reading a book called the Holy temple. Cause at the time I was preparing to go on a two year service mission for the church I'm in, and that was one of the readings that was recommended to do beforehand. And so I was like, cool, like let's see if I can get this book read. Because like there was a little um, abridged version, but I'm like, I wanna read the full version. So I put that on there, it was like, hey, can I do this? And I put it on in December of 2015 and took it off in January of 2016. And for me, I've been kind of an avid reader my whole life, but at the time I wasn't reading a ton, but I put it on there. was just like, okay, let's see if this works. And as I go throughout the next few episodes um, with different people, I'll be going over some of those other early vision board successes I've had. But just to show you as the listener that, that it doesn't have to be huge and it doesn't have to be tiny, It just has to be something you want. Like Julie just said, Mediterranean cruise two months after putting it on. They're like, that's crazy.
1: (laughs) It is. I won so much at that convention. That's unbelievable. (laughs) I won an iPad too. I was like, I don't know what's happening here, but I like it.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, and... the the weird thing about vision boards is it gets us in the right place at the right time. Would you agree with that, Julie?
1: Absolutely.
0: Because th- there's been times where I've had something on there and just all of a sudden it happened. I'm like, what? But the key is, is you just keep visualizing that and then your brain starts sending out those signals and it's like, okay, sending out signals and looking, sending out signals and looking. And it's just like, I need to be there and you end up there. It's super cool.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Well, well, anything else you'd add before we end, Julie, or any questions for me?
1: Um, just that, you know, if you're looking for grief resources, you can visit me at buildalifeafterloss.com. And there you'll be able to find my book and you can read the first chapter. is actually available for download there.
0: Awesome. And
1: there's some other resources as well as the podcast.
0: So if they want to go to the podcast or check out your book, go to what was it again?
1: Buildalifeafterloss.com.
0: And that's all one word, no hyphens.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me today, Julie. Hope thanks, that, Benjamin. hope that you as the listener was able to get a lot out of this conversation. I know that it helped me, even though it's not something that I'm really dealing with at the moment, but hopefully if you know someone, you can help them with what you learned here. And... If you're in that situation, um, it's definitely difficult and not easy. But as Julie just showed us here, it's possible. And something I've learned throughout my life is that if one person can do it, it's highly likely someone else can do it. I mean, four-minute mile, Once someone proved it was possible, a bunch of other people actually did it. So know that healing is available. And one more time, would you mind sharing that process, those five phases with us, Julie?
1: Sure. Coping, understanding, discovering, resolving, and rebuilding. And within each of those buckets, I teach and train people how to help themselves through to healing.
0: Excellent. And like I shared there at the end too, big or small vision board items. Put them on there. Get ready to take them off and have a cool place to put them once you get a binder. And that way when you start your own podcast or just want to share your friends, like Julie said that it was your friend's mom that pulled out her vision notebook, right? It's fun to share with people. So Mm -hmm. just have it someplace special for you and ready to share if the opportunity arises. And That'll finish up this episode. If you want to check out more resources by me, Benjamin Fincher, be sure to head over to starlightmentoring.com. Again, that's one word, starlightmentoring.com. Got a couple of videos out there as well as links to the other episodes of my podcast. And you also can work with me through the links there. And I love helping people. Love talking with people like Julie and like you. And if you want a guest for the podcast as well, feel free to reach out to me at my email, benjamin at com. And we'll see about having you on the show. Thanks for listening.